This morning we will be in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read the entire chapter. Beginning in this chapter, we're going to move away from the kind of primordial history of the world. Begin focusing on the narrative of Abraham and his children who come after him. The importance of Abraham to our faith and the faith of the children of God cannot be overstated. When the Apostle Paul wants to give us an example of what a Christian ought to look like, think about this, when he gives us an example of what a Christian ought to look like, the example he gives to us is Abraham. Abraham is an Old Testament guy, right? And yet, Paul holds him up as an example of the Christian faith. When you think about the Old Testament, you might think about the temple and the law of Moses, maybe Moses on the mountain giving the Ten Commandments. Uh, You might think about the clean and unclean rules. And really, the Old Testament might be a bit of a mystery to you, how you're supposed to relate to it, what you're supposed to do with it. But if you don't understand this secret I'm about to give you, here's the secret. This is why you came here this morning. Learn about Ebenezer and this secret. What is the secret? It's an open secret. If you don't understand the life of Abraham and his calling, you won't understand the Old Testament. In fact, if you don't understand Abraham and his narrative, you won't understand the arc of New Testament redemption either. The promise to Abraham and the faith of Abraham undergird the entire story of redemption. Uh, The life of Abraham and understanding what God is saying through him and to Abraham is essential in following the finger of God that is pointing to his son Jesus Christ. So if you want to understand the Old Testament... And the gospel, we need to understand the life and calling of Abraham. And so that's a a very important thing for me to say. And I believe that the scripture and what Paul says uh, throughout the New Testament will uphold that. And even Jesus himself. So let me begin reading here in chapter 12, verse 1. I will read to the end of the chapter. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, And your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your seed, or your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then 
they will kill me. But they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And for her sake he dealt well with Abram. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called to Abram and said, What is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. They sent him away with his wife and all that he had. This is an interesting story. If God can use Abraham, God can use you. I want you to look closely at Abram and the sudden call that God gave to him. Remember last week when we talked about the sudden downfall of the Tower of Babel? The undoing of that place. The undoing of that place was the people said, let us make a name for ourselves. And by doing that, they utterly failed. We would not even remember the people of Babel at all had God not recorded their deeds in their, and their failing effort in his holy word. So who is Abram? Who is this guy? He's a descendant of Shem. Remember we said that when they said, we, let us make a great name for ourselves, that the word name is Shem? And here, the Bible says that this guy, Abram, is a descendant of Shem, the man of name. And he tells Abram that he will make his Shem great. He's going to make Abram great. So here we have a contrast even here in the story between Abram, whose name will be made great, and the people who try to make a great name for themselves. They are forgotten and gone, but Abram's name is great because the Lord built his house. He did not make a name for himself. God made a name for him. So who is he? Here's what we know about Abram at this point. He is a descendant of Shem. And Terah's his dad. That's it, basically. He is unknown. He is not famous indeed. He is not famous in wealth or power. He's 75 years old. We have no idea what he was up to before the Lord called him. What did Abram do for a living? Shepherd, maybe? We don't know. We know he's 75 and he was living in Babylon. Now let that sink in for a moment. Abram was from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is Babylon. Abram was Babylonian. He was not Jewish. Think about that. A lot of times we sort of relate Abram to Isaac and Jacob and those who came after, but there was no Israel until his grandson Israel was born. Abraham was Babylonian. He was called out of the east to go west and to follow the instructions of the Lord. He left Ur of the Chaldeans, it says there in chapter 11, Babylon. And so God can call on you just exactly as he did Abram. You don't have to be anybody important. You don't have to be from somewhere important. In fact, you can be from somewhere that has a bad reputation like Babylon. And God calls him out of the blue. And he was an old man, 75. But they lived different then. Abraham's going to live to be 175. And we know that Sarah, his wife, was like eight years younger than him, so she's like 70-ish at this point. And apparently at 70, she's still so beautiful that people would want to kill Abram to be with her. <laughs> so these were special people. 
They call, God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And, and what does he say? Let's take a real close look at this. He says, I will make, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, into the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. It's a pretty amazing promise. Um, first of all, what did Abraham do to deserve this call? We don't know that he did a single thing. He didn't do anything, nothing. There's no indication he even knew the Lord before God showed up to him. He might have been a pagan like the rest of the people in Babylon. We have no idea. And God makes him an amazing promise. But he has to pack up his house and leave and go to a place he don't even know where he's going. He'd never been to Canaan, as far as we know. And when God first made the promise, he says, go to a land that I will show you. And so Abram must have just packed up and be like, which way, Lord? Head west toward Canaan. But amazingly, God has said that I will make you great. I will make a great nation of you. I will bless you. I will make your Shem great. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing to all people. Everyone in the earth will be blessed through him. Now, and he also makes him some more promises. He's going to bless him. Anybody who curses him will be cursed. But also he promises him the land of Canaan. He says he's going to in verse 7, To your offspring or seed I will give this land, the land of Canaan. So God has given to Abraham a promise of a great nation. He's going to build up his name. And to his offspring he's going to give the land of Canaan. And that brings us to what does this have to do with us? The word offspring there, as I've told you throughout the book of Genesis, the word is seed. It can be translated offspring. And God has promised the seed before. This is a theme of the Old Testament. This is what you have to understand to understand the Old Testament. God promised to even to Adam that a seed would come that would crush the head of Satan, right? And this person here is the descendant of Abraham who's going to be a seed who will inherit the land. And the Apostle Paul understood this as singular, not the entire nation of Israel. Listen to me and listen to Paul. Paul says, Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, plural. Seeds, seed, singular. As though referring to many, but referring to one. And to your seed who is Christ. What Paul is interpreting the Lord saying to Abram here when he says, I'm going to give to your seed this land and these promises and to make your name great and make the nations great. What God is talking about to Abram is you're going to get to have the one who will crush the head of the serpent and restore things to where they were before sin entered into the garden. This is the promise that God has given to Abram. He's going to give to him a son who will inherit the land, who we also know will be the one to crush the head of Satan and take away the curse. And so what God is promising to Abram is that he's going to be the father of the Messiah. That's why Abram is so anxious to have a son. So we'll see throughout this. It's not just he wants a son to inherit these things, but this is supposed to be the one who will crush the head of Satan. You say, could Abraham possibly have known that? Jesus said he did. Remember when they were arguing with Jesus, and Jesus called them sons of your father the devil? That was Jesus saying that. He said to them, 
Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. How could you have known Abraham who died so long ago? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they were going to kill him for that because they said that he blasphemed. The point being this, Abram understood. At some point, maybe not here, but at some point in his salvation history, as he walked with the Lord, he realized the seed that God had promised him was the Messiah who would crush the head of the serpent. And by seeing and understanding that, Jesus said, he saw my day and rejoiced. So Abraham, the Babylonian, from Ur of the Chaldeans, 75-year-old man who never had any children, had nobody to pass the land along to, was called by God to get up and move to a place he had never seen, and he got up and went. And God said, through you I will bless every nation on the face of the earth. Who is Abram? He is you and me. He's a real person. But we are to identify with him. When God has called you up out of Albertville of the Albertvillians to be his special son, to be his special daughter, to bear witness of the Messiah in all the earth, you are him. You are the sons of Abraham. How many sons and daughters have Abraham? I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Do you want to do the dance? Right arm, left arm? Stick your foot in, turn around, sit down. How's it go? I don't remember. But that's us, and that's the promise we have. This is how that God has been a blessing to us through Abraham, to all nations, by promising him the Messiah and sending him. And we get to be his children, his beloved sons and daughters who take this message to the rest of the world that the promise to Abraham might be fulfilled, that through him all nations might be blessed because of his seed. That's how Abram's a blessing to all the earth. He is a blessing because he is a model of faith. Not of works. Model of faith. And he is a blessing because Jesus Christ is the one who comes through his lineage. So think about this. Abram comes out of nowhere. Just this guy, son of Terah, living in Babylon. God says, get your stuff, go out. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless every nation through you. And I'm going to give your son all this land. In your, because of you, I will bless people, and if they curse you, I will curse them. So why do you think the next thing that pops up here in verse 10 is famine and Abram being kind of a weenie? Why do you think this comes up in the narrative next? It's a good thing I'm here today. I'm going to tell you why. Why do you suppose that after this amazing revelation, Scripture includes this story of Abram heading down to Egypt? First of all, it shows that following God's will is not always easy. And what I mean by that is not just some trite thing, but this guy moved his whole family, not knowing where he was going. And when he got to where he was going, there wasn't nothing to eat. And when the Bible talks about famine in the land, that is no joke. We're not talking about, hey, we skipped lunch because we got so busy. We weren't thinking. I'm talking about people dying in the desert because they don't have anything to eat. And Abram and Sarah and all his family and whoever he had with him running for their lives down to Egypt just hoping they can find something to eat. When they had famine in the old days, people died. And so he got up, followed God's will, not even knowing the Lord perhaps for very long, gets up and goes, builds an altar to the Lord's worshiping, doing everything that God said. And he gets there and he's got nothing to eat and he has to leave the place that God promised him. Doesn't even get to stay in there. Now, we know the happy outcome of this story, but I'm telling you, at this point in Abram's life, it was not happy. And he must have thought, what in the world? What in the world? 
we about to die. Now I got to go down to Egypt. My wife's so pretty, they're going to kill me. And, you know, you might read that at first thinking, he's just saying that to Sarah so she'll like him better. I mean, that's a really sweet thing to say to your wife. Hey, look, I know you're 70 years old, but you're so pretty, they're going to kill me if they find out you're my wife and take you. Oh, stop it. I mean, I don't know what they, she said. <laughs> he was serious, though. Sarah was pretty. Because they get in there and everybody's like, wow, we got to go tell Pharaoh. That's a big deal. This girl's so pretty. Woman, sorry. She's so pretty. We're going to have to tell Pharaoh. And he's like, y'all are right. Abram says, tell him you're my sister. So he won't kill me. Why does God include this story? It shows that Abram's just a man. And a sinful one. He's a sinful man like you and me. God knows that we're real, real prone to put our heroes up on pedestals. Think of them as living perfect, blemished lives and that they're awesome. We can never be like them. God is like you are. The problem is you are like him. <laughs> it's not that you can't be like Abraham. The problem is you are like Abraham. That's the issue. He is a sinful man that God appeared to and made magnificent, unconditional promises. And yet the man is acting cowardly. As if the Lord won't take care of him. We are just like Abram. So one thing that God wants you to know is you're just like Abram and that's the problem. And the second thing that God wants you to know this morning, and you need to understand this, God, God wants you to know that Abram is not the hero of this story. God is the hero of this story. Abram would have died in famine, probably, if the Lord had not taken care of him. He would have given his wife away, who is going to be the one, by the way, through whom Messiah comes. Sarah is going to have Isaac. It's not Abram who's the hero of the story. It's not Sarah who's the hero of the story. It is God who is the hero of the story. He comes out of nowhere, makes a promise to nobody, and he keeps it. And when Abram goes down into Egypt and does something despicable and says, tell him you're my sister, and when they come and says, hey, Pharaoh's going to make your sister his wife, he doesn't say a word and lets him take his wife for his own wife. And God swoops in and rescues him. And he's, Abram's not going to do this once, he does it twice. God never says to Abram, hey, you've done this dumb, terrible thing, and I'm not going to bless the world through you like I said I would. No. God is going to come in and rescue every time. God is going to save Abram every time because when God says, I am going to bless you, he means it. This is what you need to understand to understand the Old Testament and the New is that the promises of God are unconditional and cannot be revoked. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how you live, when he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and through you I will bless the nations, he will do it. Because he is good, he is God, and he is our hero, and no one else is or can be. We are just like Abraham. We are in need of rescue. We are constantly not doing what we should do. We do not rely upon the Lord as we should, and he must come time after time and rescue us from our own sin. And this is why Abram is the example for us in our Christian faith. Because Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that is all there is to it. When you read through the Old Testament and you begin to read law after law and clean and unclean laws and to build the temple and you've got to bring the sacrifice. It needs to be an unblemished goat or a sheep at this time. Or you can bring a wave offering. You can bring a, a peace offering. You can do all of this stuff and you're reading and you're confused. And 
sometimes underneath all that law, it gets buried that the foundation of all of this is the faith of Abraham. And so when you begin to read in the New Testament, it might seem to you like a new religion because you didn't understand what Abram is about and what the Old Testament is about. The reason all those laws came, the reason all that stuff was done is because the people weren't living faithfully. They weren't living by faith like Abram. And so God placed the law into effect so that they would be able to be kept by God until the day that Messiah could arrive to save the world. Every single thing that Abram does is because of the blessing of God. Every single piece of clothing, every, all the riches, everything that he has, God is behind it all. It is the Lord who blessed him. In fact, if you look here, it says that uh, Abram, Pharaoh comes to him. Now, you want to talk about a big chance of getting killed, right? Here's the chance. So Pharaoh's up in Pharaoh palace doing whatever Pharaoh does. And the Lord makes clear to him, hey, this woman you're trying to take as a wife, she's somebody else's wife. That's Abram's wife. In fact, he'll be more specific to Abimelech when he does this. He says, if you don't let him go, I'm going to kill you and all your kids. Everybody, you ain't, your lineage is gone if you do not give this man's wife back or if you even touch her. Now, I would think that it, to be Abram at this point in time, Abram's out there, I don't know what he's doing. His wife's gone. He's hanging out in Egypt like, and Pharaoh sent him all these presents and all these gifts for Sarah. I'm sure he felt about this big. But one day word comes says, hey, Pharaoh wants to talk to you. He found out Sarah's your wife. I bet he was a little bit nervous that day. And here's what I want you to see is that Abram goes in there and Pharaoh's like, what did you do? You've just about killed me and my family. Just go ahead and take Sarah and get out. But he leaves with all that stuff that Pharaoh gave him. The Lord lets him keep all that stuff. Even through his act of sinful denial of his own wife, God prospered him through that whole thing. And he will do that not once but twice. So here's what I want you to know about your heavenly father and the person you have put your faith in. He spoils us rotten. <laughs> he truly loves us as children. And even when we do wrong, he prospers us through it. Now, it is not easy, and I am not acting like it was, because this was a really bad time for Abram, and I guarantee you, when the door shut behind him from Pharaoh's palace, he grabbed Sarah's hand and said, let's get out of here, and she probably took her hand away from him and didn't speak to him for like at least two weeks, because I bet she was mad. And she probably had some stuff to say about it. I'm not going to speculate, but I can imagine she'd be like, well... Pretty nice in Pharaoh's palace. Where are we going? Back up to the place where we're about to starve to death? I don't know what she said. But, you know, there's no indication here in the text. I'm joking. There's no indication in the text anywhere that she said anything bad to her husband who had done this thing. No word from Sarah like, you dummy. I am angry with you. <laughs> the Lord just leaves that to our imagination, I guess. All we do know is that at the word of the Lord, she left her family too. And she went to a land she didn't know either because she trusted her husband, even when he had not shown himself to be so trustworthy. So, brothers and sisters, think about the life of Abram this morning. 
He's not Abraham yet, by the way. He gets a new name. She's not Sarah yet. She's Sarah. God took care of Abram. And what is his mighty work? What is his mighty deed? What did he do to merit so much love and affection and spoiling from God? Nothing. Nothing. He didn't do anything. What have you done to merit the love and affection of God? I want to tell you this. There is no uh, differentiation in Christ. God loves you like he loved his friend Abraham. He loves you that much for the sake of his son Jesus. What have you done to deserve such lavish affection from God? What do you do to merit it every day? What have you done for him lately? And if the answer is still nothing, then know this. You are in good company. And that the Lord your God will keep you and bless you. And your name will be a blessing in all the earth. What does God require of you? What does he require of you? Love him. Love him with all of your heart. Love him with all of your soul and love him with all of your strength. For he is good to you and his kindness has no end. And if you will love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, you can do whatever you want. Because all you will ever want to do if you love him like that is to make him happy. You won't have to worry about the law of God because your law will be love. And there is no law against love. So hear me this morning. What promises has God made to you? What has he promised to you that he had not promised to Abram? The word of the Lord says that every single promise of God is yes and amen in Jesus. If you have the son, you have it all. There is no promise that you are not allowed to have. And what does he require of you? Love him with all of your heart. God required Abraham to go to a place which he had never seen. A place he didn't even know about. He required it of Sarah too. Where will your love for the Lord take you? I don't know. I'm excited to find out. My love of the Lord brought me back to my hometown. I hope your love for the Lord might take you who knows where. I have no idea. And I know that your name can be a blessing amongst the nations. Your name can be a blessing amongst the nations just like Abram if you are faithful. Because whether you stay here or whether you go, you can partner with the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ to bring the good news of Christ to all nations. And that is exactly how God fulfills his promise to Abram. Every single time someone says yes to Jesus and loves the Lord and is converted and is saved, it's another star in Abram's sky. And he says, that's my son, that's my daughter. They've come to the Lord exactly as I did. And they will have their lives exactly as he had his. A life of often trouble, of hardship, of failure. And yet, through it all, the Lord increased and prospered him all along the way. I'm looking forward to going through the life of Abram just to show you how many times the Lord is faithful to him. And every time you think about the Lord your God, remember he was faithful to Abram. 
he will be faithful to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, this morning we pray that we will look with new eyes at this passage, these passages about your friend, Abram. A man who walked on this earth and was someone you called friend. And Lord, your son Jesus called his disciples friends and you will call us friends too. If we have faith like Abram. I pray God that you will help us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. And we will rejoice that you have been so kind to us. To save us and to graft us into the family of faith that Abraham is the patriarch of. Lord bless us with the kind of faith that is here in this scripture. Help us to know that even when we sin against you, you still bless us. Be with us and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand. serve him with all of your mind. And he will bless you 25, 50, 100 fold in this life and the life to come. Come to Jesus. And you will never regret it. As we sing, this is our opportunity.